Welcome to the Bridgeway Church Podcast. My name is David Bowden, and every week I sit down with one or several members of our church staff and host a conversation about how Bridgeway is seeking to fulfill its mission as the Church of Jesus Christ here in our city. If you are a member of Bridgeway, we hope this helps you more deeply engage with what God is doing in our midst. And if you aren't a part of Bridgeway, we hope you feel welcome and that our discussions may lead to more Christ-glorifying ministry in your own context. Let's jump in. All right, well, welcome everyone to episode three of the Bridgeway Podcast. My name is David Bowden, and I'm here with Andy Edwards, who's the pastor of missions and evangelism here at Bridgeway. How are you, Andy? I'm good. Yeah. Man, I'm ready for this. I'm excited. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about why must the gospel go into all nations? We're going to be talking about global evangelism, uh, what it means to go into all nations, why we have to evangelize, everything like that. So um, we have a lot of ground to cover, so we should probably jump in. Um, I'm really excited um, to, to really have this conversation with you. So really, I think the first question we, we have to answer is foundationally speaking, because I feel like everything else we talk about has to be built off of this place, is foundationally, why do Christians evangelize? Why do we tell people about Jesus? It seems like a pretty dumb question, but I feel like we would have a hard time answering that question, a lot of us. So for you, why do we evangelize? Well, I, let me give you kind of the reasons that are out there. Okay. And I think the majority of them are good, but there's one that we want to focus on that I think really uh, is the overview of all. So what some people say is it's our responsibility. Okay. Yeah. Sure. That's why we do it. Uh, because people are dying. Right. The need is great. Hell is real. Time is short. God commands us to go. People in the Bible went. So <laughs> if people in the Bible went, we should go. And then a lot of people are going to say obedience. So all those actually true. Okay. So th those are right um, in some form or fashion, but there seems to be something missing in most people's minds as they're answering that question. So I want to look at Revelation 5 for a second because this is going to give us this foundation that we all can then launch out of when we think about sharing the gospel, being missional, when we think about the nation. So I'm going to read Revelation 5. Uh, we're not going to read a ton of scripture as we walk through this today, but I got to start with this because right. this is everything. Okay. Um, so Revelation 5, starting in verse 2, it says, And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. We could probably stop there and just have our minds blown, but let's keep going. With seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb each holding a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, 
that, I mean, this is the key. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. So we'll stop there. Why do we go? Because there was no one worthy to open the scroll, to read the scroll, until Jesus came into the scene, right? And when he opens it, and you see, again, this lamb standing as though it had been slain, when a slain lamb shouldn't be standing, right? Right. So Jesus is alive, and his, he, he shed his blood for us, so he is worthy. And so it's the worthiness of Jesus, the worthiness of his blood that presses us out to every tribe, language, people, and nation. So okay. that's it, the worthiness of Jesus. So the worth of so yeah so, so I, I I think in all the in all the reasons why you, you kind of re, you kind of read through there um, about why should we evangelize a lot of them were more me centered like my Absolutely. obedience you know even even man centered in terms of like well hell is real you know things yep. like that um, this one is very God centered because God is worthy therefore we go how like how does that change I mean, how does that change the way we view evangelism? And Well, I mean, first off, it makes us look at, if you're going to take a glorious and great God and you realize that he's glorious and great, you can then take the scriptures to the nations. If you don't realize he's glorious and great, mm. how do you then take scriptures that continue to brag on and talk about the fame of God when you're like, well, I mean, the people need this God that's good God. But like, how do you proclaim the greatness of God to the nations if you're not really centered on the greatness of God. Sure. I mean, that that would be kind of where I would fall. And then if he says, I mean, it's a prophetic truth that every tribe, tongue, people, and nation will be, the people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation will be worshiping. So it's what's going to happen. God is the centerpiece of it. And I think when we think about what does it look like for someone, what what's the best for a person? It's that they would know this glorious God. Yeah. Because by knowing the glorious God of the universe, they can then actually have life and joy and peace and abundance through him because it's found only in him. So it seems like you're making kind of a connection here between um, my own personal experience of God and understanding that he is great, that he is worthy, that he is glorious. And the more of that that I experience, the more of that that I know, the more of that that I trust and believe— then I'll want to go out into the world and share with others. Is is it a similar principle as, as, as the things? It's like um, when I'm really excited about you know the Oklahoma City Thunder, I'll go and talk about them. Like because man, Absolutely. these people are really worthy of you coming and seeing their, them play basketball because they're so awesome. You should watch the highlight reel. You know, it's like is is there is that the similarity kind of thing that you're you're trying to you're trying to make here of why we evangelize? Yes, because you are enthralled. Sure with the beauty of Jesus and his plan and purposes for people on this earth. And so you say, man, I think because of a revelation of the the love of God in my heart, I have to go talk about it. If I'm not talking about it, I probably don't think God is that good and glorious and beautiful. Mm. Which people would be like, well, so you're trying to make me feel guilty <laughs> right. for not talking about it. Actually, no. I just think when we look at Scripture and we know the God of the Bible— we something has to shift and compel us to talk about it. It doesn't even, I think sometimes it's not even going to be a thing that it's like, I have to be disciplined to talk about it. Sure. It's like, no, I have to, because I know him, 
something's in me that presses me to have Jesus on my lips more than not. Right. I'd almost have to discipline myself not to talk about him. I'm so enthralled with him. And really, you talk about guilt. Really, this is the only answer to the question, why do we evangelize, that gives guilt an out. Yes. Because we would say, what you're not saying is, well, if you're not talking about Jesus, you must not love him. You know, therefore, you you only love Jesus insofar as you're talking about him. What you're saying is, if you're not talking about him, don't. It's not feel guilty. It's love Jesus more, right? Yes. Which that's really cool. It's have intimacy with the Father. It's know Him and ask yeah. Him for His heart. Right. Because that's the other thing. You can't create a heart for the lost in yourself. You, oh you, man. Like you can't go and say, "I'm just, I just want to love people." <laughs> you can say that. Right. But He has to be the one that puts his love for you first, and then it has to and begin to overflow to other people. I mean, when we say he is worthy to be praised, we have to think of it like this. If God saved every person who knows my language, the blood of Jesus is worth more than that. So the blood of Jesus is worth more than Oklahoma City. Mm. So if everyone in Oklahoma City, because people are going to say, well, what about the lost in our city? Right. Okay, we tell people because there are people who are far from God in our city. But if everyone in our city was saved, Jesus is worth more. Mm. What do you mean? Well, he's worth the United States. More than that? Absolutely. What about the person in Bhutan who has never, ever even known that there is a God that came to rescue him? I mean, the, it, Jesus is worth that person's worship. Okay, so so the reason why we don't just evangelize to our neighbor, but we intentionally go outside of our geographical context is also because of the worth of Jesus. Right? Absolutely. Okay. So think about this. I mean, Piper says mission exists because worship doesn't. So sure. Uh, Anchor, this crew over at uh, UCO, went to a winter conference. And, and what, was, for our non-Oklahoma City listeners, what's UCO? University <laughs> of Central Oklahoma. Okay. It's a uh, university right up down, right down the road here. And so Anchor is a staff of people that work there to help bring the gospel and disciple people and whatever. Okay. They went to a winter conference, and this was a, this beautiful picture of 100 people on stage, and they were singing because God is worthy. And then they were flashing like Oklahoma City the United States, and you heard all these voices going because basically whether we but believe it or not, we are not an unreached nation. The gospel has, we have access to the gospel yep. all the time, everywhere, just right. about. So what was happening on this screen is they started slowly taking it further and further away from the United States or further and further away from the Western church. And the people on stage represented those who have heard the gospel. So they're seeing it, they're worshiping. Mm. And then it started getting down to a country like Bhutan, where there are few, very, very few believers. And so there's only two people left on the stage singing. Oh, man. And then it gets to one person left singing. And then it goes silent for 20 minutes or so. Oh, my gosh. Think about this. Everyone sitting in the room as tribe or nation just flashes on the screen with no noise. No worshipers. Yeah. Nothing, because they don't know how to worship God. They like they've never heard. And if every Christian in the world stood up on their table and yelled the name of Jesus, 
there are three billion people that would hear nothing. Oh man. Three billion people. What? Wow. So forty percent of our world mm. would say, I don't hear anything. Yeah. They the and and mission exists because worship doesn't. Right. And why and I guess to answer the question of, well, why should worship exist? It's the glory and worth of God. Absolutely. Because God is worth worship. Yeah. And so that's why we go and evangelize, because God is worth worshiping. And it's why we evangelize our neighbor, yes. too. Because that person, God is calling them into worship, too. I mean, worship the Creator. But we'll get to it here in, in a little bit later, but when we start hearing the statistics of what's going on around the world, you'll understand maybe why we talk about global <laughs> mission like we do. Some people go, you guys talk about the nations too much. I'm like, oh my goodness. Probably not enough, actually. Not enough. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about it. Let, let, I mean, because if we did a kind of a, a quick survey of some of the New Testament commands for the church um, to go into all the nations, we have things like the Great Commission in Matthew 28, right? To yep. go into all nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to command everything I've uh, I've taught you. Uh, you have Acts 1, when Jesus sends out his um, apostles uh, in that time between the Ascension and Pentecost. He yep. says, go out into all of Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. And then, um, like you've already shown us in Revelation 5, and then again in Revelation 7, we see this picture of the throne room of God where every tribe and nation and tongue and language is there around the throne room, worshiping God who is worthy. And so we have this very heavy emphasis on nations, you know, and, and, and the whole earth. And we can, you know, there's a, there's a, there's very long biblical explanations for why God wants the whole earth, you know, all the way back to the promise of Abraham, yep. that they would be a blessing to all nations. But why is in particular for the New Testament church, for those of us who believe in Jesus today, why is it so important for us to go into all nations? Like, why is that such a heavy importance for us today? Well, I mean, I would say, first off, even when you go back to Revelation 7, it's funny because it says people from every nation. And so, again, we can get into the discussion of nations. Right, what, what's a nation? political yeah. nation, whatever. But then it says from every nation and from all tribes, peoples, and languages. So mm-hmm. it even shifts language there to the all word because I think God is so glorious and he's so worthy to be worshipped that he is going to set people from every diverse, distinct culture, language, nation, because it is this beautiful picture of God created all of these nations. And so for them to come back to the one and give honor to him, I mean, it's all through the New Testament. This is what we're going for. Even when he says, Jerusalem, yes. Right. Judea, yes. Samaria, yes. And to the ends of the earth, so that... The place where none of us probably in our hearts are like, what? The ends of the earth? Right. Who wants to go there? (laughs) What's crazy is God is putting it in people's hearts to go to the ends of the earth. You can even look at, I mean, again, we can, these are, there's repetitive scripture, but I think repetitive scripture is important. Yep. Because if God throughout his Bible is telling us the same things, we got to focus on those things. So even Luke 24 that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. Again, repetitive, Mark 16. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all 
creation. Mm. I mean, it's huge. And so when we think about that is the command in the New Testament to the nations, I think God is saying it is time. And it's come, I mean, Holy Spirit comes, you know, book of Acts, you see it, there's power, and then it begins to move. And, right. and you and I are sitting here today because people were obedient right. to the call and they wanted to see people worship the God of the universe. And that, that I can't even get past that sometimes when I'm like, why am I a believer? Yep. Because God had a plan to take people to the nations and we are and were, were and are the nations. That's right. Yeah, we, we stand geographically apart from where this started, language apart, culture apart, I mean, time apart. Yeah, and if, if people weren't constantly obeying this call to go far and wide with the gospel, we would still be in unbelief. Yeah, so sometimes I, I actually have to stop and make it personal like that. It got to me when I didn't deserve it. Right. So now what about Indonesia and yeah. Bhutan and Pakistan and China and Japan, a wealthy, beautiful country with beautiful people who have no access to the gospel or very little. Mm. It makes me go, if it got to me because God <laughs> ordained this to go because people were obedient because of his glory, then we have to think the same the yeah. same way. Okay, so we've talked about how the, the foundational reason why we evangelize is because God is worthy, because um, he is requiring glory from the whole earth. He wants a, He wants all nations and tribes and languages represented worshiping him. And so evangelism exists because worship doesn't. And as the church, we're called to go out into all nations. So now let's get personal. We've kind of talked meta from the God level. Why does he want evangelism? Well, because of worship. We've kind of talked at the church level. Okay, why why is the church called to go? Now let's talk about like the individual believer, right? So what is the Christian's responsibility when it comes to going to all the nations? Like, must everyone go? And how do we know if we're that person? what if what what if we stay put? What are the alternatives to engage with mission? Uh, all that is that even possible? Is is a Christian in sin if they're not going out? Like, oh, help, quit it! I know, right? Help, help me work through this. Yes, it's that's it's okay. hard, right? Okay, so this is a question I get all the time. Sure. Um, and so when I think about the Christian's responsibility to the nations, first, God has no other plan. There's no plan B outside of the local church. Okay, yeah. Do you agree with that? Y- yes, kind of. Like, is I kind there, of agree with that. Is there any other way that God created for us to go and share the gospel with people? Uh, oh, no. no. Okay. No. The, the, the local church is God's plan A right. yes. to share the gospel. Yep. There is no plan B. Yeah. There's not, he didn't have like, well, my church, they're not sharing the gospel, so I need to come up with a new plan. Right. No, no, there is no, it's, it's the plan. Yeah. Right. So we all have responsibility to share the gospel with neighbors, with coworkers, and to the nations. And so, again, specifically talking about the nations, everyone has to play a part. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah, that's right. Why? Because he's worthy. Right. Is number one. And then think about this. I think we get stuck in like this idea of, so am I supposed to? Am I am I supposed to uproot my family and personally go to? this place that's going to be difficult, that's going to require abundant faith and massive suffering. And okay, I think everyone is called to ask the question. Okay. Yep. God, send me. Where is that? Mm. Okay. Let's wait and let's listen. I think where we get stuck is we 
um, highlight the goer and we forget to highlight the prey, the person who's going to be praying. Mm -hmm. We forget to highlight the people who are sending. I mean, I'm going to give you some statistics about money here in a second and it'll make you all sad and whatever. <laughs> but we are called to give to get people to the nations. Yep. We are called to pray. It's it, So if you come to Bridgeway, you're praying. Um, we try to pray every week and at least it's in the bulletin we're praying for. So this month is Europe right. and post-Christian world. Yep. So we're praying all the time, but we just want to get people praying. So praying, giving, mobilizing. What the heck is that? Well, it's actually training people to go. What if you're called to train people to go to Bhutan? Why mm -hmm. do I keep mentioning Bhutan? It's just in your head. I don't know. It's in my head. And when I was in New York City, I met multiple people from there and just my heart like mm. attached. So that's why when I say Bhutan, I'm putting, I'm also talking about the rest. It's of the, the representative head. Yes, that's it. So we are called, we are all actually called, I want to kind of, um, J.D. Greer in his book, Gaining by Sending, he's going to strip away the myth of calling. There's an entire chapter actually called The Myth of Calling. Because here's the deal. We are all called to be missionaries. Uh-oh. <laughs> now you're going to mess it up because you're saying, wait, wait, what does that mean? Oh, you're going to like devalue the missionaries now because you're going to say you're also called to be a missionary in your workplace and your neighborhood. And I'm going to say yes. Right. Because what is a missionary? It's someone who has come into relationship with Jesus and they are giving of themselves to go to and share the gospel with someone. Okay. Now we can say global workers, global missionaries, but what about right. local? Yeah, sure. You know, so all that to say, those are kind of what I would say, pray, send, mobilize, or go. Or go, right. Everyone has to be doing something. immediately when you say that I, I end up stratifying them I end up wanting to either be the goer or or feel guilty for being one of the other three <laughs> like help our listeners through that because I'm sure they're they're thinking that too is like how how do I how do I get to the point where I don't feel called to go but I also don't feel guilty over being a prayer a mobilizer or a giver it's because we emphasize the goers and why, what do we do? We tell the, sto the story of goers. That's right. Oh, When's yeah. the last time you've heard the story of a sender? Um, John Reinhardt, a buddy of mine out in California, wrote a book called Gospel Patrons. Okay. And it's, it's all the stories of the senders. Okay. But that was the last, but that, that's like one book I can mention. We don't tell we stories. We don't tell stories about the, yeah, I mean like. When do we brag on the people that come here every week at noon on Tuesdays and pray mm. for, I'm, I'm hearing it every week. There is this focus on Andrew who is this uh, prisoner yep. in Turkey. Right. And every week our people are crying out for them. You know what? We don't tell stories about our people who are praying and their hearts are broken. They're right. not going to Turkey. Nope. But their, heart are, their hearts are engaged with praying for. And you know what? I don't think those people probably feel the guilt that some of us feel. Mm. The senders, I, I have a friend of mine who, I've, he always felt like him and his family were called to the nations. And then we've been meeting over the last five years, and I've seen this call go, okay, but it's changing. It's still the nations, but it's I'm starting to feel this call to send and to mobilize people to the nations. And again, I'm not going to mention who it is, but this guy just gave a 
good amount of money to send a good friend of his to training this summer who will end up in the nations. And I was just blown away. Mm. I was like, and he's not feeling the guilt because he is playing a part in the great commission to the nations. Now we can parse that out of like, okay, but still there's a problem. So let, let me go to this because I, I, I got to present the problem though. Cause I want you guys to feel guilty. Oh, good. Oh wait, just kidding. <laughs> it's not about guilt. It's about the glory of God. Okay, he is worthy. Listen to this real quick. When we think about the nations and our responsibility, 99% of believers live and work among 60% of the world's population that has access to the gospel. Okay, you're like, you're, you're, that, that's confusing. How about this? Only 10% of missionaries work among the rest of the world, nearly 3 billion people that are considered unreached. Okay, so so let me let me try to repeat this back because I don't know if I got it. Ninety percent of missionaries basically work around people who aren't necessarily a, like a, a lost people group. Yes, and only ten percent of missionaries are among the lost people groups. Yes, yeah, so one out of every ten missionaries in the world are working with the three billion unreached. Those people whom, whenever their name flashes on the screen, there's no worshippers on the stage. Yes. Okay. Yes, nine out of ten are working in places that already have access to the gospel on some level. And you said three billion, right? Yeah. And so that's not like it's not like the well, the reason why there's ninety percent in one place and ten percent in the other is because well, there's just not as many yeah. uh, lost. No, <laughs> like three billion is still nearly half of the world's population. We're getting yes, there. Yeah. it's it's forty percent of the world's population, and only ten percent of our missionaries go there. So one out of every ten. Mm. Go to that place. So when people are like, so why do you push the nation so much? It's because it's not that staying here is wrong. Sure. Because so many of us are supposed to stay here. But really, should 90% mm. of the global missionary world stay here or go to places where they already have access to the gospel? Right. It's not to diminish or minimize discipleship among those who are new believers in those places, but it's to say 3 billion people. Yeah. Have only 10% of the missionary force. Now let's think what that number is. Like if if there's 400,000 missionaries, what's that? 40,000 if I have right numbers? Yeah, 10%. 40,000 people with 3 billion. And here's the really crazy part. They're not actually with the 3 billion. Because the 3 billion don't have anyone there yet. Oh man. So they're on the cusp of the 3 billion. Oh. <laughs> so they're on the edge. So this is why and so people are going to be like these numbers just make me feel guilty. Right. But the problem is, if we have a thousand people in our church, the majority are going to say, I feel called to stay. Yeah. Is that bad? Mm. No. But the question I would ask is, are you really asking the question? Mm. Are you asking the Lord, are you called to go? Are you called to give, pray, mobilize? Does that make sense? It does. It can get confusing and hard. But... No, no, it does make sense. It's making me ask a question, though, in my head here, which is, um, how central is evangelism and going to the nations to the Christian life? Because like when I think about like Second Corinthians five, and I think about is it four or five? I think it's five. Anyway, about uh, we we're ambassadors of reconciliation. Yes. Right. And it's like we've been reconciled to God, and so He's made us ambassadors of reconciliation, pleading with the world be reconciled to God. And so when I think about like why we've been set apart. We've been set apart and saved for the glory of God, and the glory of God goes forth through evangelism. How central is evangelism to the Christian life? Uh, it's, it, 
it's it's massive. It's massively central. And so why then, I mean, maybe why is the wrong question. Maybe it's just enough to just state it, that we have relegated evangelism out to the periphery of the Christian life, whether in going, praying, sending, mobilizing, in any sense, we've we've pushed it out and replaced it with something else, personal piety or something like that. But it's oh, just, I mean, amazing times of worship. Oh, sure, <laughs> yeah, sure. Because I'm engaged. I'm engaged with the glory of God. I, I, I go to worship services. I, I do, and it's amazing, <laughs> right? And then it goes back to the old song that's like, man, what happens in here better be happening on the streets out there. Yeah, like something has to move us beyond. Um, the 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 worship in a room and and even beyond just coming together and reading our Bibles together and then going about our business. When you said ambassadors of reconciliation, no one's going to go to Bhutan that isn't sharing the gospel here. Mm. So then here's the question: Are we ambassadors of reconciliation to those who are far from God around us right now? Right. Because if not. Bhutan even seems a thousand times more difficult. Right. I mean, we can think I about... I can't yeah. even share with my friend. That's right. We can think about that from, like, just use the word ambassador. Like, an ambassador doesn't just all of a sudden start... Like, a U.S. ambassador doesn't just all of a sudden start representing U.S. politics overseas. He's been engaged in local politics, in, in national politics, and then he knows that system intimately and is sent abroad to represent it. Absolutely. Right? And so, yeah, you're, you're, you're kind of bringing up that same thing. If we don't do it with our neighbor, with our spouses, with our children, how are we going to do that? And how are we going to develop that hunger to go abroad and do it? Yes, and I'm going to give full disclosure. I am the missions and evangelism pastor at a church in Oklahoma City, and I struggle to be an ambassador of reconciliation to neighbors, yep. to the, the lady at Walmart that is kind to us when we come through the line. Do I ask questions? Like, I, I struggle, and for Laura and I, it has been continuously asking the Lord, you are going to have to do this in us because I can't, I don't have it naturally, especially in my flesh, to think about someone else. Hmm. So I have to ask God to do it. And as we've been asking him and spending time with him, we begin to see people and we begin to see people who are broken, like we are and were broken. We begin to see people who are hurting and people become not projects, Right. But they become the love of God through us and for us to them. But if that's not happening, we should shut the book about the nations because we, sure. we, we've got to get there and not get it figured out. But we all have to get on our faces and say, Lord, would you first show us, reveal yourself to us to in us, your love? Right. Yeah. And then would you put that love in us for others for and others. drive us? to share it. That's really good. And and so one, one of the other outs, I want to constantly provide outs for guilt for people that that r- help them run to the gospel and not to guilt because guilt's never going to lead them to the nations. The gospel is going to lead them to the nations, yeah. right? And so it seems like something you're saying is that even in your own life, evangelism has been the fruit of sanctification, that as you pursue Jesus more, you love him more, his glory is revealed to your heart more, you see yourself wanting to evangelize more. And so, again, we, we talked about this at the beginning. I just think it's important to reemphasize here is that if you want to go to your neighbor, go to God. Yes. Right? Yes. And so I, I want to I want to make sure that it's not just this individualistic thing mm. because here's what happens. If it's not Laura and I talking about it, we still don't notice the people because— oh, That's good. So when we went to New York City and I took a team last year, part of the training is when you're walking down the mall, and you know you're looking for that person of peace, 
and you walk by him and you feel something of like, I should have talked to that person. Right. What do you do? You walk on. No. You tell your partner and you say, I was supposed to talk to that person. And you know what they had us do? I know you're going to think this is crazy. They had us turn around and chase the person down <laughs> to share, to talk, to start a conversation. But community, mm. so individual, yes, the love of God, the glory of God, the revelation of his love for us drives us out. But that alone, if we're not doing it as team, as church, as community, it begins to get hard because we don't have people challenging us in accountability relationships on like, so, oh, you had opportunity there. What mm. happened? I, I just, I missed it. Well, let's, let's pray that you would have another. Right. So, so yeah, community. I piece. love that. So, I mean, it's something that even in, so here, here at Bridgeway, we have something called discipleship groups and it's these small groups of the same gender of like three to four people that they meet on, we meet weekly and we confess sin to one another. And I, one of the things that we do not confess sin on is our missed opportunities in evangelism. Yeah. So like, even in my own walk, I'm seeing, oh, I'm relegating the great, like the great omission, you know, as it's called, <laughs> outside of the realm of sin, I need to confess. Yeah, and um, I, I, and I think the reason, probably, why I'm not inviting my community group and my discipleship group into that is because I don't want to be challenged on that. Mm. I don't want no one. I mean, we don't, we don't want our sin to be exposed. But like, as we run into the light, just as like I bring my discipleship group, my struggles with sin, we fight about it, we pray, we read the Bible over it, we, you know, we give it over to God, and we we try to kill this sin together. And if it wasn't for them, a lot of the things I've been struggling with for years, I'd still be struggling with. But yeah. through community, we've killed it. I need to bring my lack of evangelism, my lack of zeal for the nations to my community and say, guys, help me kill my apathy and help me pursue the glory of God in, in missions yeah. alongside me. Will you please do that? Yeah, I, and I tell and share stories of failure. Yeah. Okay, I walked by the guy I knew I was supposed to, I didn't. Okay, we could just live in guilt or we can say God's sovereign and bigger than we even understand. So when I come and tell that story, I knew I was supposed to, I didn't. Would you guys pray for me? Mm. Or tell the story you did. You engaged the person and they decided that you're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> and you walked away. Here's what we do. We walk away as maybe some guilt. As fail- maybe I didn't do it right. Maybe I wasn't ready. Maybe. Right. And instead, why can't that be a success story of, I heard the, the Lord say go. And I, I went. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually have joy and celebrate that we failed right. on some level, but you didn't. Oh, yeah. You actually obeyed. And your faith will increase. Yes. I mean, I think immediately of um, the apostles before the governing authorities in the beginning of the book of Acts, where they go in, they preach the gospel, they're like, just shut up, stop talking about this. And they're kicked out and they rejoice. And they're like, oh yeah, we totally did what we were supposed to do. We obeyed and we suffered and they ignored it and it's a victory. And uh, I think we we, we don't want to enter into evang- uh, evangelistic moments because we're afraid that it's not going to work. And so we, yeah. we let the, the practitioner in us and the pragmatist in us um, undercut our obedience because it's like, well, I probably couldn't convince this person to believe in God, and so I probably shouldn't <laughs> right. even try. Uh, yeah, I think that's great. But just the simple obedience yes. is all that we're, we're asked for. And you mentioned the sovereignty of God. It's because ultimately you're not the one who's going to change their heart. Yep. You're, you're the means and a very small part of those means. You are not the end. Yeah, and yeah. we don't go pray for someone that we don't know that might be hurting or that you might actually see has a physical disability or something because we're afraid 
that God won't answer oh, instead of trusting, right. not that he has to, but that he's capable right. and that he's trustworthy and faithful and that we are to be obedient to pray for the sick, to share the gospel That's with the good. lost. Yeah. We, we pray for things all the time that we, we know God might not answer with a yes, but we pray nevertheless because we know he's capable. Why don't we treat evangelism the same way? Yeah. Yeah. Just cast the net. Yeah, I, love I agree. That. I know that I know That's that we're going to run out of time here. But when when you I know when we think about the nations, you saw how it came right back to local. Yep. Because we've got to ask the Lord to give us a heart for people around us. Now there are internationals all over our city, so I want to encourage people, man, go and build relationships with internationals because there's a lot of students that are coming here that are going to go back to their city that has no access to the gospel but they had access when they were here. Are we going to be obedient to pursue those relationships? You asked on here too, like, do we go as missionaries to the nations? Or right. what about as normal people? Yeah, I was curious <laughs> oh, about this. It's a question I wanted to ask you, which was like, do is it is it okay for, like, for a Christian businessman to be like, oh, I could go do my business in Bhutan, <laughs> you know? And yes. to just go do that and live as Christ there. And not just go as like I'm selling everything, and I'm gonna be I'm, I'm gonna be church supported, and yep. I'm just gonna spend every day going house to house. Like there is a shift okay. that's happening right now, and um, I think it's always gonna be both and. I think there are always gonna be the fully supported global workers that are going to the uttermost parts. But what's happening is we're realizing that let's say there's 400,000 sent uh, from the United States. That's never going to be enough. And there are all these opportunities and all these different places around the world for business men and women to go and do your business. I mean, if you are a, if you know English, if you can teach English, you can go almost anywhere in the world, get that certificate and go. Yep. And then you're going to get paid by a local government to be there, to build relationships, to teach English. And what can you do? You're going to talk about the glory of God because it's captured your heart, right? Right. So all over, I would say what's actually got to start happening is there can't be this, uh, so much of the secular divide of yep. uh, secular and... Sacred. Sacred. I, it can't. Yep. It, there, there has to begin to be a blending of, well, what does it look like if I am a businessman or woman and I can go start a business in Dubai? Okay, it's going to be expensive to live there, yes, but the nations are all around you, and it's this new sending port in mm -hmm. the Middle East. You can go to Dubai, and it's safe. You're like, what about safety? Go to Dubai, start there, and then say, hey, maybe he's going to launch us to Iran right. or Afghanistan. Who knows? I mean, we don't know, but there are these moves you can make. Yep. Um, I would love it if every college student, when they graduated, before they went and said, let me get into my, my full-time, what I'm going to do, like, go look around the world and see if there are places you could serve for a year or two. Yeah. Um, like, go. So I think, yes, there has to be, it's, there's a move towards this. And, and you know, we even now are meeting as businessmen and women. Even at Bridgeway, we have a group that's like, how do we do it? Yeah. And it just started, but it's, we, we got to send people around the world. And it's got to be both. As we wrap up, let me see if I can get you to exhort our listeners one final time here. Um, if you, like, how, well, actually, let me ask one question before I get to the final exhortation. Okay. How are we to ascertain calling? So, like, y there's one of these four groups 
um, that we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be a, a prayer, <laughs> a, a, a sender, like a giver, um, a mobilizer, or a goer ourselves. So obviously step one is pray. Absolutely. Okay, so bare minimum today be a prayer for missions. You know, uh, God said pray that pray that he would send um, laborers out into the fields. So do that and then also pray for your own heart. But then once we're praying, what are some ways that we can ascertain how God is calling us and how God is leading us? Okay, so at Bridgeway, I've tried to create kind of a pipeline of what does it look like to t- take a step from I come, I sit and in the chair on Sunday morning, how does that person get to the nations? Yeah. Okay, well, absolutely, you start praying. You look up at the screen and you're like, we're praying for Europe, but actually pray for Europe. Right. Because what happens when you pray? Something starts happening in your heart. Oh, yeah, your affections are stirred for those people. You, you actually start loving people, Yeah. right? And so you love India is in April. Start praying for India. Some people in our church are going to be actually called to go to India because they started praying for India. Right. Some people in our church are going to go to India because they took a class called Perspectives. Mm-hmm. It's this next step. It's like, what do you mean? It's 15 weeks. That's a long class. But it's a Christian worldview of what does it look like and what's God's plans and purposes for our world. Well, it's that people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation would worship him. Mm-hmm. So I think doing steps like a Perspectives class. How about this? Go to Conversation Cafe at UCO and just speak English with the internationals. Yeah. Why? Because your heart starts engaging in something that's beyond yourself. Right. So I then well, how do I know if I'm called though? How do I know if I'm called? God will, I believe he'll stir your heart as you're in community with people, as you're sharing the gospel with people here, as you're growing in relationship with internationals in our city, you're gonna start knowing that you're called. Now, here's what's gonna happen. Some people are gonna know that they're called to go. Right. But I'm gonna get kind of real crazy here. Everyone is called to do the other three. Yeah. To to pray, pray to, to give. send, and to mobilize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's really only two categories. A sender, a pray, send, a mobilizer, pray, send, mobilizer, a goer. And, a goer. and when we say goer, we're talking specifically to the nations. Now, yeah. what's happening, hopefully, is these people that are praying, sending, and mobilizing are going to their neighbors, That's their right. coworkers, or whatever. That's right. But it has to start in that place, and then it moves to this call to the nations. Right. And and, and we, we, I mean, you got to work at, in there, too. I've heard you say before, like, um, you don't have to ask if you're called to go. You have to ask if you're called to stay. That's <laughs> like, exactly right. Which I, Megan and I, my wife and I, we prayed through that, and it was really hard. Uh, it was really hard, especially when we, when we found out we were called to stay, because I really wanted to go. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, not because of not because I like love the glory of God more than someone else. It's just because I really want to live internationally, because I just you know love other countries and cultures and food. You know, so it was probably more selfish than anything. But yes. uh, I think I love that question um, of don't don't ask if you're called to go. Ask if you're called to stay. And so if people are really wrestling with that, well, am I called? I don't know if I feel called. You are called, right? Absolutely. You've, you not only called, you're, you've been commanded, and a, the command is a call. I was at a I was at a missions event one time, and uh, I was speaking there, and uh, there was this guy, and he he was talking about um, ev- evangelism and and like seeing people at a supermarket, and like, oh man, I just don't know if I if I'm feeling led to share the gospel with this person or not. And so he had um, fishing lures passed out to every table. And he said, I want you to take that fishing lure and I want you to put it in your pocket. 
And that fishing lure is made of a type of metal. And that metal is called lead. And I want you to keep it in your pocket. And every time you think about sharing your faith, you can reach into your pocket and know that you feel lead. <laughs> it's, oh my isn't that goodness. ridiculous? So funny. So it's so <laughs> cheesy, but it's it was it's such a it's such a, a clear way of talking about that that it's assumed that we're called, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you I think you have to live in that place. And then there's this freedom within that calling because you know you're called. There, there, it, it, we can remove the myth of what we're waiting for is to wake up one morning and out of the sky comes a Buddhist temple right. that says India. Yeah. And then we know we're called. The problem is I think God works within relationships. He challenges us within relationships, within his word. I do believe he's going to speak through his word, through people around you, through wise counsel. And it's going to be a decision that's going to come because God is in it. Yeah. And that's that. I'm talking about that like we're picking up and we're going. But yep. but I, we cannot forget the sending. Yep. I mean, one, I'll say this. This is it. One out of every $100 in missions goes to the unreached. Oh, man. A dollar out of 100 goes to the unreached. $87 goes to Christian places. And the other $12 that's missing there goes to places that are reached, but there are lost people. Oh, my goodness. One dollar. So not so only we, not only giving, but strategic, intentional, you're asking questions, giving. Giving to the lost, unreached people groups. When you hear Alejandro has launched to Turkey, we need people in our body that are like, like fighting to get to him to yes, give him money. That's right. We have to fund people to go. Yep. Absolutely. It's wild. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll, I'll throw in there too that a big thing that we need people to be giving towards is the translation of God's word because oh, there's, there's still um, over 1,500 languages in the world representing millions and millions of people who don't have God's word in their yeah. language. So they actually cannot hear for God so loved the world. And so yes. we, we, you know, you, you can give to that too. I mean, it's because it, the Bible, the word of God is the foundations of missions. I agree. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, all right. One, one last question, and you can send us off with what you want. Um, what would you say to those who are on the fence? <laughs> For those who are like, I think I feel kind of called, but I don't know what to do. Like, what would you do to like help them get off the fence in the one way or the other? Because um, I'm sure some people are, are going to feel that. So I want you to address them, and then I want you to address the people who feel as if they're completely excluded from going. Like, they're like, I'll send, and I'll pay for it, but... God's never going to call me to go. So what would you say to those two people, the on-the-fence people and the excluded people? The on-the-fence people, I would make it really easy, and I would call We have some beginning bridges for you, and that's like reading something like Let the Nations Be Glad. Okay, yeah. We'll put a link to that and that J.D. Greer book on the podcast description for yes, people to get to. Just reading something and reading stories about people who went, reading biographies of missionaries, I'm telling you that— I want it to kind of push you over if you're on the fence. I want to push you into the go to the nation's fence. Yeah. Um, but reading those things will stir your heart. If you can read those things and then there still isn't a jump over the fence, then you might be called to stay and to mobilize and, and to really connect there. Um, again, beginning bridges, conversation cafe up at UCO. You can host an international student in your home mm. at UCO or OCU, Oklahoma City University. Or any any campus in your area. I'm sure most yes. universities have some kind of international um, office. Right. I, I would say a short-term trip. If you're on the fence, like we still have um, India uh, in the fall. We have Kenya in the fall. 
um, th- this so many opportunities. We're praying through an all women's trip to Greece, specifically spending time with refugees who have been either sexually abused or in sex trafficking, um, things like that. I think when we get out of Oklahoma City for a little while, it can radically transform the way we think and, the, and the way we see people and the way we love people. So that that would be for those who are like on the fence. That's um, great. We offer spiritual multiplications groups, um, engaging in global community classes, perspectives, stuff like that. Any type of furthering your community togetherness and education would be helpful. For those who are like, I'm never... God's not going to call me. You're probably the person that better start like asking the Lord, what What do you mean by God's never going to call me? Right. Because what it's what you're basically saying is, I have something off limits in my heart. Mm. So you would say, that's it, like a repent. You need to repent. Uh, yes, because we don't know what God's calling us to. Now, again, if you've, if this person is the person that's prayed and they've sought the Lord and right. to stay, right. absolutely. But this yes. is not who you're talking no, about. You're no, talking about no. the person that's like, no way am I ever going to Bhutan. We just, it's not in, no way. Can't, nope. won't, whatever. Not even going to ask. I would say you have to ask the question. I would say every believer must ask, am I called to stay? Am I called to go? But whatever, you have to ask the question and actually be open to a response from the Lord in your heart of some manner. Yeah, I mean, and that's great. And that's really good. Anything you want to, anything, any last last words you want to you want to leave us with? I mean, this is what this is what we're going to sing about Jesus. Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. So, because Jesus is worthy, we are all called to go to our neighbors and to go to the nations. And so, I would just encourage you, because of the worthiness of God, not because people are dying. Yes, because people are dying, but not primarily, not because there's a need, um, not because it's just a should, uh, but because he is worthy to be worshipped in every language that's on this earth. Remember and ask the Lord to work in your heart. Go. Thank you for listening to the Bridgeway Podcast, where you will find a new conversation every Thursday. For more information about Bridgeway Church, we invite you to visit bridgewaychurch.com, or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BridgewayOKC, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash bridgewaychurchOKC. If you have any questions that you would like us to address on the podcast, feel free to email us at podcast at bridgewaychurch.com. And if you enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving us a review on the podcast app as it helps other people like you find our program. So on behalf of all the pastors and staff here at Bridgeway Church, I'm David Bowden saying thanks for listening and we will see you next week.